Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Just before I get started, I want to thank you all for being such faithful uh, church members and church goers and faithful to the work of the ministry here to advance the kingdom and Dixon and Columbia and work we're doing in East Nashville and going one-on-one with the Purple Book with other folks and continue to serve and being in life groups and doing life with one another and giving so much. You know what you are? A wonderful congregation, and I just applaud you for being— I'm applauding you. Y'all don't have to see—see, see, that's me giving you guys thanks for who you are. I have to give a special uh, shout-out to uh, Pastor David Ward for holding down the fort and preaching, <laughs> preaching amazing sermons. Wow, amazing. That's an amazing— uh, you know, uh, uh, man of God, and uh, you know Seth Shimmer, and how about how about that Bryson Brakey preaching? He, that that's a that's a church man right there. That's a church man right there. Strong and mighty, my friend uh, Seth. Obviously, Pastor Rice, the bishop, and 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 a spiritual father of this house. And so we're just I'm just grateful uh, for our spiritual family. You graduates, you know what I like to say to you is thank you so much for being faithful. To, to God, to get prepared and get equipped. This, you, you, are, you are the um, expression or the end result of what our job is, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Now when the attack of the enemy comes and, and tells you that, well, the next step is not appearing, you are equipped for the next step. Sometimes the next step doesn't appear, you take it. You just take the step. You, you move on what's in your heart because you've been equipped to do so. Um, there'll be a, a temptation to put everything on the back burner, uh, let everything come to you. Do not wait. You didn't wait to get yourself equipped, and so don't wait to move out in ministry. You are fully equipped. You don't need somebody to say, oh, Pastor Jane said, now nah, I'm going to be doing this and that. You are equipped in this house. You are empowered. Go do the work of the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. All right. For those of you, for those of you who who have never gone through Bethel Equip and, and got the additional understanding and knowledge of the Word to be able to defend your faith, to know the foundational pillars of your faith, to lead people to Christ. It's never too late. That's what that group should help you understand. It's never too late. Educate yourself. I'm in school now. Uh, Dr. Delvin, you, you worked over the last seven years being in school. These students worked over a course of years to be in school. It's tough, but it's worth it when you feel confident that you can defend your faith, you can articulate the gospel. So you're sitting out there thinking that was good for them. I'm telling you that the present, presenting it in front of you was for you to not just pray for them, but be inspired to go out to the table. You'd be tempted to pass that table. I'm asking you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Saying, is this your moment to get equipped, to get empowered, and to make a difference? Lord, as we get into your word, I pray that you would help us, lead us and guide us into the truth that we need to know. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people would see you more clearly. 
love you more dearly, follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength and redeemer in every glad and happy heart. Say amen. All right. Let's go back in our minds, assuming that everybody in here is a believer just for a moment. I know that that's not true. And if you're not a born again believer, you'll have your opportunity at the end of the service. But when you first get, you get born again, you know what you feel? Invincible. You just feel like nothing can go wrong. And it's more likely that God's going to answer your prayer and do extraordinary things than he's not. You, you believe you're a superhuman because you serve a supernatural God, and the anticipation is that whoever you reach out to, they're going to say whatever you ask for is going to happen. But something happens in those formative beginnings of, of, of being born again that can also be a little bit disappointing when you finally realize that God did not answer your prayer all the time the way you want him to answer it. It could be, bring you into a crisis. You get your first cold and your sniffle and your, your nose is running. You say, how did I get sick? You know, you just get nervous. You don't even know what, you know, how could that happen? You know, you pray for a spouse or a girlfriend as a single or a boy or a boy a boyfriend. You're wondering, well, I, you know, I set my sights on what I wanted. I named it, I claimed it, I, I blabbed it, I grabbed it, I, I, I had it in my heart and my mind, but it, it left me. You know, nothing like, you know, I have believed for raises and promotions and and I, you know, I believe for checks in the mail. I, I went through that phase, you know, a new born again believer. I heard somebody talking about they, they received a check in the mail. I would go to the mailbox and wait. I, I, I flagged the mailman down. Did you forget my blessing? Because my God gives me blessings. Something about being newly born again where you believe that the gospel is the answer, but that the whole world can actually be saved. And it's like your ambition to do it. But again, when that disappointment set in, you go from being uh, committed to the faith to actually thinking about abandoning your posts completely. And, and usually what happens is disappointment that it's not a pie in the sky, it's not always flowers and, and roses. Because in the beginning of the romance of the Christian faith, when you know you're snatched out of the gates of hell, it's just good enough to live this life for Jesus exclusively. It's good enough. It's like, I'll give you my whole life. But then as you start living this life, other stuff begins to crowd it out, like self-preservation. Things I want. I'm so glad that the scripture actually deals with how we can kind of break out of this mindset by getting into reality. And, and God will actually, we'll see in the text, allow some things to invade your life that will throw you out of this. Hopefully for some, there'll be like a little explanation about maybe why some things aren't going exactly right. But it'll also be the clue is that's how you can get back to that first feeling that you had when you were born again. And for those of you who are not born again, there's an opportunity to get that feeling, to get that new life, and to keep that sustained and growing in your life. We're going to go to Acts chapter 12. We're going to read beginning. We'll just read the first five verses, and then we'll, and we'll just kind of let you know what's going on. Uh, y'all want to read or y'all want me to read today? Uh, so y'all want me to do it, so I'm going to make you do it. No, I'm just playing. I'll read. I just didn't want to have to put on these glasses. That's why I asked y'all. They're dirty. I can't hardly see. Uh, about the time that Herod the king laid violent hands 
on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, him being Peter, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending that after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, now the church is in a real strange position. It's got some governmental structures, or they have a governmental ruler in Herod. This is not Herod the Great. This is Herod Antipas the, the, the first. Uh, this, is, this is not the Uncle Herod. Herod is a, 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 a title that went with a family that, that kind of went ruler. They all kind of took that name. But we know that Herod is a bad guy. Herod is the, the guy that was part of the judiciary committee that was examining Jesus. Herod tried to kill Jesus. The original Herod, when he was, when he was a baby, Herod Antipas and them, he, they were a part of the council. These are some bad jokers. This is some bad government. We are in a similar type world where we can feel within the governing structures that there's a perverseness where different personalities of people can have an evil um, um, uh, disposition and they can push it on, on, on the masses. We see that this Herod was so evil that he thought he could persecute the church. The Bible says he laid violent hands on them. Now that's tough. He laid violent hands on them. It, it, to lay hands on someone would just be maybe to grab them and to escort them, to bring them into your care. To lay violent hands on somebody is to bust them in their face first, throw them down a little bit, rough them up, you know, and then, 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 you know, then say, come on, you're going with me. To, to be in a football game and to make a tackle is uh, technically, and to bring somebody down is great. But to do it with great violence is to hit them until their tooth go back up in they, they, and their blood come in their mouth, you know, and they, and they can, you intend to break a bone. Herod is not just trying to be a good guy as he deals with a problem to him. He's trying to do it in a nasty way. He laid violent hands on them. Now, you could imagine if you were in the church at that time, things are maybe going good. They just got born again a few chapters earlier, thousands of them. You know, they're in that new New, new, new spirit, where they know they got eternal life, they're believing in Jesus Christ, he's healing them, delivering them, breaking them free, you know, miraculous things are happening, people are sharing all this stuff, it's all going good. But now, they're starting to treat us like they treated Jesus. They beat him, they beating us. They killed him. They want to kill us. How do we know? Because, you know, the other verse said they took one of the main leaders, James, the brother of John, the sons of thunder, the people he called when they, they was in the fishing business, the people who mama asked, can, can one of my sons sit on your left and your right when you come into the kingdom? And, he, and, and, and Jesus said to them, can they, can they do what I'm going to do? Can they receive this baptism? Can they drink this cup? They said, well, we can do that. He said, you will. 
I'm telling you that even though Stephen had been martyred, the first apostle leader in the church that you just got born again in, they just took him out. And, they, and, and the way they killed him with sword is what they would do for someone who was a prognosticator or, or an evangelist, so to speak, of, of some other religion. It's something that happens in the world when you begin to preach Christ and preach him purely. Your enemies become more evident and clear. And and they don't just want to hurt you, they want to kill you. Why are we so shocked when we hear things? This week, I don't want to go into the detail, but I heard things on TV and people talking about human life like, we're still going to kill people. What? What is that spirit? It's a vile spirit when the government and the governing system says your life is frivolous. It didn't say that the Christians did crimes. The unborn don't do a crime for sure. It didn't, it didn't say that they, they were disruptors. It just said that they were Christ followers. Just for identifying with him. And what happens in the faith uh, is that people when they realize that it all, won't all be roses, instead of having a public faith, now make it a private decision. I'm not going public because when you go public, they lay hands on you. When you go public, it might affect your job. When you go public, they might drag you out and you find yourself in a conflict of, of self-defense. But we do not see in this text as Christians are being persecuted that they're also fighting. They're going through something. And now Herod discovers that if the people like how I'm treating the Christians bad, if they like the pain I'm inflicting and the persecution that I'm giving, and they like that I took out one of, the, one of their leaders, I'm going to take out the main guy, Peter. Because he understands the principle, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. He understands that to do violence to the faith at the highest degree, you've got to silence the leader. And if you look through the landscape of Christianity, one of the things out of the millions of believers that we have in this state is you can't see millions of leaders actually standing up with a voice that is big enough to be considered for smiting. Oh, BLI students, please be considered for smiting. Oh, Bethel Life Group leaders, please be considered for smiting. Oh, leaders of this church and receivers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, please be available for a little slaughter for Christ. I know that sometimes you can get lulled to sleep, young believer in the first century church, the first church. You, you, you thought, everybody's so nice, kumbaya. Jesus took the major hit. And now, you know, we're just going to start elevating. There's a sense that happens in, in society where we begin to embrace this ideology that we're going to finally elevate as Christian people. We're going to elevate in society. We're going to take all the top spots and we're going to turn this thing into a whole church. Well, if Jesus' own life on earth is any indication 
as to how Christian lives go. Government takeover was not what he did. In fact, if you read further, they took Peter, the leader, and put him into prison. Now, Peter, at this point, if you know your Bible, this would be his third stop in jail. He, he ends up in jail a lot. He just does. First time he went to jail, it's because somebody got healed and they, they, they arrested him for that. They prayed and got out of it. Next time they, they had a complaint about what he was teaching, didn't want, they arrested him for that. Here he goes again. One of the things I want you to notice about every one of Peter's arrests is that something has changed in the demeanor of Peter as he's going to prison now. He was a fighter before. I just want you to see this. When, they, Jesus, when Jesus told him that they was going to have to die, he looked at Jesus and said, no, we will fight them. We will kill. I will die before I let somebody take you. He had an anarchist spirit. He had a, a, rebe- a revolt spirit. He had a, a fleshly spirit that says, I will do it myself. And, Jesus, he, and, and when Jesus was captured, he lived up to it. He, he got out a sword. Peter was a little gangster. He was a little gangster. He carried his little knife gat. He was ready. That priest came up to him. He said, what? Uh, who else wants up? Who else wants up? Right now, right now, who else wants up? <laughs> think, just think about how slow this fight had to be for Jesus to pick up the high priest's ear, heal him, go talk to Peter, say, Peter, that ain't the way we're going to do it. Those that live by the sword die by the sword. We can't do it like that, you know. We don't want to do it like that. Y'all ready? And then he had to go back to them and say, y'all, y'all want to take me? Come on, let, 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 it's time now. You can come on, get me. Peter runs off. Peter doesn't stick around for the lifestyle of a believer that Christ had ordained. He said, I don't want any part of that way because this way impedes my freedom. This way clouds my opportunity to exercise my free will. Jesus, I love you, I want to follow you, but I'm not going that far. Because when I go that far, it costs me just too much and I'm not willing to pay. But now we see some type of change of heart in Peter since Jesus has, you know, got a hold to him. In each arrest, you just see him going. What has he realized? It seems like he realized life is not about me. Life's not about, because you know, he, he, he did think it was about him, because he went back to fishing. Well, if anyone, it's not going to be my way, I'm going to fish then, because I already had a good business before Jesus. I knew how to make money without Jesus. I knew how to have a good life without Jesus. You always will be faced with an opportunity to choose your old life versus the life that Christ has for you. You got an opportunity. In fact, you might have to ask yourself today, what life have I chosen for myself? Because if our gospel is hidden, 
is hidden to the lost. The Bible said, but what does, what does verse, y'all read verse 5. Read verse 5 hard. Ready? Read. Peter was kept in prison, but the church prayed to God earnestly. This, mean, this word earnest is a, is a medical term. It means to stretch. They, 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 they took their prayer to the limit. They went as far as they could go emotionally, physically, spiritually. This is what not something where they say the prayer meeting is an hour. We're going to go for an hour. They were praying instant, constant, continuous. They had it going on. And you know what? They had no other answer. And not only they were praying not out of misery, but also out of joy because they found the only thing that could satisfy them in this broken world where they're getting persecuted and their leaders are getting killed is Christ. Now, if we took a survey right now, you know it would embarrass all of us. If I asked you about your prayer life, I know it by the spirit and I know it in reality and I know it statistically. Just, just let's be real for a moment, privately but real. Prayer life lacking. You know, our main thing is devotion to God in five minute segments. Because that's about the average length time. The prayer happens. These people knew that they had no chance in this world to think right or to act right or to be right without getting deep with Christ. There's no money how many times I tell you, you need to evangelize, you need to equip, you need to establish, you need to be empowered. If you don't commune with Christ long enough, you'll never get enough conviction that God can do something through you and with you. Pray. They didn't pray, Lord, did, you got to hear this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. They didn't pray, Lord, let my will be done. Why don't you, listen, I didn't hear these. Why don't you remove that guy? Why don't you remove my pain? Remove, no, the Bible says that they prayed, let thy will be done, let thy kingdom come. They prayed according to John 1, 1 John 5. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the petition that we have before the Lord. They weren't trying to align with their will. You have to pray long enough for your will dissipates and God's will is alive. So, pain and persecution cannot or should not stop the church from praying. Pain and persecution should not stop the church from praying. When we hear prayer at 6 a.m. on Wednesday, we're all coming to pray. Fasting once a month, we're all coming to pray and fast. And we're saying to ourselves, that's not nearly enough for what we're facing. He goes on in verse 6. It says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was asleep between two soldiers bound with two chains, 
And centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and the light shone round about him in the cell. I, I, let's, just, let's just look at this condition for a moment. Herod was about to bring him out. He was trying to wait till the Passover was over, which is strange to me that Peter would even be arrested during the time of the Passover since it was to celebrate the people escaping from governmental uh, problem out of slavery. Isn't that kind of strange? What, what is the Lord trying to say? He's given him a prophetic message that the same way I delivered back then is the same way I deliver right now. He's given them the clues of how to, how to pray. And, and Herod is, is, is kind of, you know, Herod has had this opportunity where, where some of the other uh, writings along with this was probably throwing, a, uh, Josephus says uh, he is throwing a party for Caesar or whatever. He was just waiting. But he was bringing him out just like Jesus took from judgment hall to judgment hall, but he was ultimately going to be executed. On the night he was going to happen. So I would say that Peter is in prison in his darkest hour. It ain't darker than that. I mean, the intent is there. This is the dark hour. Here's where I want to stop because what do you do in your darkest hour? The church in their dark hour is praying constantly. Peter in his dark hour is sleep. I want to tell you the truth because I have been in prison, not as a prisoner, but I worked in prison and I ministered in prison. And something about prison you need to know. It's scary. It can be dark, spidery. You fear for your life. You know, even as a guard, I was, you know, I was, it was, you know, I was nervous. One time, you know, one of the things we did as teenage ministers when we were being trained, this is why every one of you can preach somewhere. We preached in the prisons and the old folks' homes. And I went, the first time I was going to the prison, I realized something. You've got to go through about 10 prison doors. I mean, you can't get in, out quick. You can't get in quick. You can't do nothing quick. And they did not tell me when I was going to preach at this prison that they had assembled all of the prisoners, 100, 200, you know, they had a gym facility in the gym. And they, we walked through all these locked doors, and then there's like a, a box where you can look out into the gym. And they say, you up. I said, so we, would they bring the mic into the thing, and what they hear, they just hear what I'm going to say? They said, no, no, you up. <laughs> oh, no. It's that moment where you say, man, I ain't called to this. And I walked in that prison, and I was with those prisoners, and the guards weren't in there. They stayed. I said, why did they stay back instead of being with me? Now I'm there. Now, the, other, the next part is irrelevant, but just for fun, I, just, I preached like a crazy man. I did. I took my belt off. I bucked my eye. <laughs> I said, if I'm going down, <laughs> you know, you just, you just got you to gotta let them know. <laughs> that it, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Anyway, 
was dark. The man is guarded like he's a terrorist. 16 guards, four squadrons, that's four in the squadron, there's 16, two at the door, two is sleep, sleeping in between, two, two on, uh, you know, there's just people everywhere and he's asleep. I would have, if I'm going to die tomorrow, I got anxiety. You know what I'm saying? You know when you're about to be in a car, anything, you just had that flash and no matter how prepared you are for death in, in the moment, you know, your heart can beat faster. He's no anxiety. He's sleep. You know what I think makes him sleep? Number one is past performance by God. The last thing, time he was in jail, an angel came and let him out. You know another reason I think he was asleep is because he remembered when he abandoned Jesus before and went back to his other job, Jesus showed up at that job. And he told him what he wanted him to do. And then he said these words. Oh, I get a little happy saying. He said, when you are old, Peter, somebody else going to lead you. Now, Peter was young. The church just started, but God promised him when he was old. So he's sleeping because he's laughing. I know I'm too young for the death they got planned for me. I just laid here to the angel come and pick me up. And the Bible says, but the angel of the Lord stood at, stood at him and the light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quick. He said, and the chains fell off of him. This is already miraculous. It's dark in the cell and now the angel come and it's light. Wherever you find yourself in darkness. God is the light. And everything that comes from his presence expresses light. And he's got light on the way to your dark situation. So you don't need to be full of anxiety and fear about the world, your job, your life. You've got a God that can step into your dark situation and say, I am the light of your world and your situation. Get up. And that's what I say to you today. Get up. Get up out of your confusion, out of your hurt and pain, out of your disappointment because you found out that the faith was a little bit harder than you thought it was going to be. Get on up. It's a part of God's plan. And he struck him by the side. Get up. Let's go. Get all your stuff. Get your sandals. Get your shoes. Let's get on out. And, they, and the Bible said they walked past the first guard and then they walked past the second guard. And then they got to the gate and the gate opened up on its own, the scripture said. God is making a profound statement. And, and then the scripture says he was doing this. And if you go all the way down the verse, when he passed the first and the second gate, it opened to him and he went along the street and immediately the angel left. Verse 11. And when Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure, because he thought it was a vision. He thought, I'm dreaming. No, it was happening. Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod, from the Jewish people's expectation. Powerful men cannot stop God from answering prayer. 
verse 12, to conclude. When he realized, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. See, they, they were praying from the beginning all the way to the end. This is his earnest prayer. And when they had knocked on the door of the gate, a servant girl, girl named Rhoda or Rose came and answered. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the door. You know, that would have helped. She not open. Let me read it for me. I can't see. She stand by the gate, but she said, "No, no, go, go back." I'm sorry, I, I couldn't find my place here. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, "You out your mind?" But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying. Is an angel. Peter continued to knock. And when they had opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hands, he said, Be silent. He was a fugitive. Like they, Peter! No, y'all, they gonna get me. That angel gone. I don't know. I don't need a second miracle tonight. We made it out. Let's just chill and be happy with our results. And he said, tell these things to James. Here here it goes. Tell these things to James and the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. When you realize fully what he's done, go tell it. When you realize fully what he's done, you've got to go tell it. The people were paralyzed. They were not evangelizing. They saw their leader who had led thousands, some say, you know, 3,000 and then 5,000 people to the Lord and all this stuff, and now they've, they've captured him. It could paralyze the church, but James, the leader of the church, and, and all of the brothers need to know there's no need to back up from the assignment to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. I don't want you to hide your faith. I want you to lean into your faith. There's something that happens to us as a society when we realize that there's some persecution that comes and pain that comes. Somehow we don't find ourselves praying like they did. We found ourselves backing up. Sometimes when we interact with powerful men, we don't believe that our God is more powerful and he's going to answer our prayers. But if we were to keep on praying and believing... If we were to believe that our God is more powerful than any man or governing system, then we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll tell everybody we know. It is time for your neighbors that live next door to you, across the street from you, that work in cubicles next to you and I, that are in the same campus circles, It's time for your friends and everyone to know your Lord. You need to tell them who Jesus is and bring them to those places. Maybe you don't have the best apologetics, but guess what? You have a church that does. So sometimes when you don't feel like you have all the tools, you got enough tools to just go out and tell somebody, y'all just need to come with me. I'm telling you, you're going to hear something that's going to change your life. 
That's what multi-level marketing does. When the multi-level marketer on the front end doesn't really know how to explain the stuff, he just said, we got an expert coming on Friday if you come here. Now, when you want to make money, that's what you do. So that's what you say. You got some expertise. We got Dr. Delvin here. We got Dr. Dave here. We got Dr. Bruce Fittler here. We got all these people here that can help you defend the faith. Go tell it. What do you do when you know what he's done? You go tell it. If you stop telling it, your persecution will increase. It has to increase. If you keep telling it and persecution increases, your miracles will increase. Either way, because Christ is a winner, you're a winner. Came to tell you, our name, Bethel World Outreach Church, is not an accident. If you're watching online or you're sitting hearing my voice today, the reason God delivered this message is because whatever bondage you might be in, dark place you might be in, he wants you free. Whatever persecution you might be feeling, he wants you to know he's powerful. Wherever you might be choosing to be apathetic or disengaged or uninvolved, he's saying, why don't you just start by praying? And when you pray and extend prayer, maybe you'll start getting into the confidence to go tell the brothers. Verse 24 ends with this. You can stand on your feet. It said, and the word of God spread. Yes. If you go all the way down to verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. You have the ability to be a multiplier. You. I'm here to tell you, it would be easy for us to be a church full of pew sitters where we're located gorgeous facilities, Playland will be done soon. We're going to have pastries and designer coffees. We're going to be such a great fellowship. That's not our destiny. That's just a tool. Go tell it. I told you if you were here, you were not a believer in Jesus Christ. The message that got Peter in trouble is because he kept preaching Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He kept preaching that you were confused about Jesus, and I'm bringing clarity about him. He kept healing the sick and raising the dead and, and getting people, demons cast out of people. Jesus Christ is not an ancient God in the distance. He's a very present help. Like, he's literally here to help you. If you're not born again, I want you to type in the chat. I want help to notice Jesus. If you're here today, when I conclude the service and I call for the ministers to come up, you can come get help. Jesus loves you. That's my altar appeal to you today. Don't let this day leave without you knowing this God that we're willing to lay our lives down for. I've got retirement plans. I've got, you know, things I want to do, goals and all that. And it's almost always up for grabs for the gospel. The money you save is up for grabs. The life you plan is up for grabs. Everything's up for grabs. 
And that's just the way it goes because there's a more eternal weight of glory. Bryson, come pray for us. God bless you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Pastor James. It's good to have you back. It is good to have you back. Well, we have some amazing things. Uh, just a reminder, if this is your first time here at Bethel, we'd love to meet you over here at Guest Central. If you're interested in learning more about the Leadership Institute or some of the classes we have, there's a table out in the lobby. And if you want to grow in your ability to uh, share the gospel, defend the faith, at 9 a.m. this Saturday, there's going to be a great way to do that, a great uh, training for that right here at Bethel. God, we love you. Jesus, thank you for showing up. Uh, God, not just for encountering us, encountering us, but empowering us. Lord, to go be your hands and your feet uh, in this world for the sake of your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. Jesus, Jesus.